Hello and welcome to the Paddock Bees podcast. I'm Tim Nash, a beekeeper always wanting to learn more and also the man behind the Paddock Bees account on Instagram. This is a podcast for those who've fallen into the beekeeping trap and want to learn a little bit more from the beekeeping community. Each week, we'll mix up the guests and provide some insights into the world of beekeeping. So sit tight and we'll soon make a start. Hi everyone, thanks for joining another episode of the Paddock Bees podcast. Today is all about beauty. Slightly ironic as I've got a face for podcasting though. I'll be joined by Dr. Sarah Robb, a cosmetic scientist and safety assessor. Sarah will be well known to a number of you through her various book publications and content in industry press. I can't wait to find out more about this side of utilising bee products and things we should keep in mind. So let's get started. Sarah, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for joining today. Thank you, Tim. It's my pleasure to be here. The first question we've got this week, are you a beekeeper? Oh, dear. Okay, we're getting right into the gossip, aren't we? I am not a beekeeper. I will someday probably be a a beekeeper, and I do have um, beekeeping in my family history. My great-grandfather was a beekeeper. However, I am more of a beekeeper groupie. I love that, beekeeper groupie. So what's your interest in bees? Why have I got you along here today, then? Well, I think um, I should kind of tell you how I ended up where I am. Um, So I am a scientist and I have a PhD in neuroscience from Hershey Medical School. And when I was doing my postdoctorate research fellowship, um, I met an Englishman and that is now my husband. And so we were going back and forth between the US and the UK and we both finally ended up at University College London we got married and then we had a baby. And when I had my daughter, Jasmine, I really wanted to stay home with her. Um, Now, little Jasmine is now 18 years old. So this was a very long time ago. And I thought, well, what can I do to stay home with my my lovely baby? And I thought, well, I could make cookies because it's kind of in my blood being an American. But um, I decided that that wasn't really going to work, even though Jasmine was a very good baby. I didn't think I could make a product that was fresh in order to sell. So I started to make soap and I was making soap and it was all fine. And the soap was nice. When a neighbor gave me this beautiful jar of Polish blossom honey. Now, most people would think, oh, that looks absolutely delicious. I think I'll try some. I looked over at Jasmine in her bouncy chair and thought, ooh, you need a bath. I think I'll make some honey soap. And that is how I started on the journey. The soap that I made was absolutely amazing. One small spoonful of honey transformed that soap, changed it from something that was nice to something that was absolutely fantastic. Jasmine was a very dry baby. And I was always having to moisturize her, baby lotion, baby oil. And when I used that honey soap on her, she had skin that felt like velvet and I never needed to moisturize her again. And so from there, I've meandered my way down the path. And here I am with you today, Tim, um, on your podcast. 
for some people, obviously, honey and soap, that's obviously clear what it is. But some listeners might not be aware of what other cosmetic products people can actually make from derivatives that, that come out of the hive. What else do some beekeepers make out of um, hive products? Well, I think um, people may be surprised to learn that actually through history, many cosmetics from the beginning were made with beeswax. Um, it was one of the only waxes that was available. Um, and so beeswax was used in balms, in things like um, lotions and moisturizers. And so that has been used um, in cosmetics for a very long time. Then people also used honey in, in pharmacological preparations um, and cosmetics and and pharmaceuticals really overlapped for a very long time. And so you had honey. And then I think probably using propolis, that was more something that the beekeepers themselves would have used. But if you look at almost any cosmetic, it could have one of the bee components in it. If it's a lipstick, it will have beeswax in it, you know, historically. Now they do use other waxes, but it, there has been uh, a renewed interest in going back to basics and using these natural ingredients. And so you can have lipstick, lip gloss, lip balm, you can have body butters, bath bombs, um, soaps, creams, everything can be made with bee products. That's, that's a fairly long list then. <laughs> See, 18 years ago, you made that honey soap. What's your favorite product to make at the moment? I have to say, although I make a variety of different products, I love making soap. And the reason I really enjoy making soap is because it's a chemical reaction that you can watch. You start by putting oil and honey and beeswax in a bowl, you add the chemical sodium hydroxide, and what you get at the end is something completely different. You get, you synthesize new products from the starting materials, and you end up with soap and glycerin in a bar form. And to me, I just love that process. Um, and you can do so many things. You know, you can match different kinds of honey from different floral sources um, with different essential oils. So if you had heather honey, you might put, you know, um, I don't know, maybe a lavender essential oil with it or and you could do all these different combinations. And the other thing I really love about soap is I like to use different honeys in the soap because you always get a really rustic looking bar if you add quite a bit of honey and you never really know exactly what color you're going to get when you make soap with honey it's very much like making a cake with honey the mallard reaction occurs and so the amino acids in the honey um, react with the sugars and you get this browning and and you also get this delightful caramely smell and so the smell that you get with each variety of honey um, used in a soap can be slightly different. So I have to say that's still my favorite. You mentioned a few combinations there. I think it was heather honey and, and lavender. You must have experienced some great combinations and some absolutely awful ones. 
what's your favorite combination and which one has just gone absolutely completely wrong and you okay i actually i have an answer for both of those um i think that my favorite my favorite soap is dandelion um, with blossom honey and this is a soap that is made with coconut oil olive oil honey and my girls go out and they pick fresh dandelions for me and I cut the petals from the from the dandelion flower and incorporate those into the soap and they just the yellow stays yellow and it's this beautiful bar and the you the petals don't um, get in the way they kind of disappear as you use it and a friend of mine described it as sunshine in a bar it's absolutely delightful to use and then if we move on to probably my biggest um I, I don't know if it was a failure it was just i thought it was a really good idea at the time um many people put loofah sponges in soap and i thought I want to know what this is all about. Why is this so appealing to people? Because I, I actually didn't think it would be that nice. But I thought, well, let me try this. And, and so I thought, well, let me, let's make a lavender and lime soap. And that's really nice. That sounds very nice, doesn't it? And so I thought I'm going to use two colors, a pale green for the lime and a, and a lavender kind of light purple. And then I put the loofah sponge in and I decided to put the green in the middle. And so in the loofah was this pale green and then surrounding it was a lavender color. And when I took it out and I cut the bars, as a neuroscientist, all I could see was alien spinal cord section because it was green in the middle the loofah itself looked like um, the spine, and I just couldn't get beyond that. And I have to say, it was a really nice, um, it had a really nice aroma, but I just couldn't look at it in the same way. Um, so that was probably my biggest disappointment. But I have to say, um, there are other things that I haven't liked. I'm not a big fan of rose, but my rose soap was one of the best sellers so i always disliked making it but other people really enjoyed it so even if you're making soap or another cosmetic and it doesn't turn out exactly like you expected or maybe it doesn't smell in you know in a way that appeals to you someone will like it it's very difficult to make something that is truly horrible um maybe not aesthetically pleasing like my 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 alien spinal cord soap. I've got I've got an anniversary coming up in a couple of weeks, and I've never given given this a go any cosmetic making. So for a total novice like me, what would your suggestion be to start? Uh, with? Well, I think a really easy thing to start with is making a mixture, like making a lip balm. Um, this is very simple. You really just need to maybe melt some beeswax and cocoa butter and put a little oil in, stir it, and it's done. And that's fine. But I have to say that if you follow one of my soap recipes, I am confident that you can make a lovely soap for your wife for her anniversary. I, I, I wouldn't go that far. I like your confidence, Sarah. I like your confidence, but we'll we'll see. And so, talking about recipes, where where would I be? So able to find many a of my recipes um, have been published in magazines and books. So um, I did a series 
in BBK News. Um, and then through the bee journals, you'll find other recipes. Um, additionally, I've written um, Dr. Sarah's Honey Potions, which really focuses on my soap making method. Um, Beauty and the Bees, which talks about antioxidants in honey and is a bit more sciencey. And then I've just started um, a new series called Making and Selling Cosmetics. And the first one that was released was Honeycomb Cleansing Cream. And very soon, probably by the spring convention, um, Sweet Orange Lip Balm will be released. And this talks about how to go from what ingredients you need to, to make it, how to do it, how to make the product, and then what you need to do in order to sell the product. Does it take much equipment? Ah, well, soap? actually, no. You don't really need anything that you probably don't have in your kitchen. Um, I think the two things that are essential would be a scale. And as probably most of the people listening to this are living in the United Kingdom, and many of them are probably British, you probably cook using a scale. Um, as an American, we use cups, but over here, you, we, we need to use a scale. Um, and the other thing that, that you really need in order to make soap is um, a hand blender, what's called a stick mixer. And this is because it speeds up the process. If you wanted to stir it by hand, you would just have to stir a very long time. But with, with the stick mixer, the whole process of the mixing time is less than two minutes. So those are probably the two things that I would, would recommend, but many people will already have those. And so if Mrs. Nash is fortunate enough to have a bar of soap come anniversary, no surprises here, <laughs> what a romantic. If I had them spare leftover and wanted to do something with that, I mean, what sort of regulations do I need to think about when? when well, we're if you're it? just giving it um, to Mrs. Nash, that's fine. If you wanted to say, take it along and sell it with your honey on your market stand, that's slightly different. You would need to follow the legislation. And what you would need to do is get, get a safety assessment done um, by someone like myself. I'm a cosmetic safety assessor. And you need to put together something called a product information file. Now, that's just information about the recipe, the ingredients, you know, kind of like a little booklet or a folder on your computer. And then um, I would write you a report called a cosmetic product safety report that says that the soap that you are making is safe to use and it gives you the authority to sell that soap. And then finally, you would just need to um, put it on the UK not notification portal, which is quite easy. So, you know, if you really wanted to do this, Tim, we can do this together. <laughs> I, I I still like the faith that you have that I'm not going to mess this up straight from I, the off. <laughs> well, I have to say, I mean, um, I like to write recipes that people will succeed when, you know, if they try them, I want the product to be good. And I want them to be able to do it and, and, and to end up with something that is what they expected and is usable. And in the past, um, I mean, before before lockdown, I used to go and speak to bee clubs and I would very often do a soap making demonstration. And I can remember uh, on one occasion, there was a 16 year old girl in the audience. She wrote down the recipe and she went home and she made soap. And that was it. So, you know, 
it's like making a cake. If you, if you follow the steps and you do, um, you know, what I, what I have described, you will be successful. And the other thing is with my soap making method, you don't need to cure the soap. So uh, did you say your anniversary is next week? Okay, so yeah, maybe <laughs> if it's next week, you don't have time to make traditional cold processed soap because you would have to cure that soap for four to six weeks. You really need to use my same day soap method so that you can get that soap made and give it to Mrs. Nash on her on your anniversary. I had no idea soap could take four to six weeks. I've definitely just taken that for granted. I'm going to send you a <laughs> recipe. <laughs> oh this is all going to go wrong and it's all going to be all over my instagram so keep an eye out everyone so okay so i'm i'm not at the level of selling uh at the stall but i know obviously there's a couple of beekeepers who do listen who have their saturday market stall we've already got the safety assessment done we've got the cosmetic product safety report done what happens if people do want to cut corners and, and they end up getting rumbled? Okay, what, well, um, actually, I had a client that recently was in a very similar situation, not a beekeeper, um, but someone who had been selling some products and didn't have a CPSR, didn't have the official documents and wasn't following all the, the rules. Someone turned them into trading standards and then they contacted me and I helped them deal with trading standards. Um, they were very, very, very lucky. They did not get a fine. However, that lip balm that you're selling that you think, well, it, it's okay, it's just a lip balm, that could get you a 5,000 pound fine or above. It's limitless. They can fine you as much as they want and they can put you in prison for three months. So I think spending you know, a hundred pounds to maybe a little more on a CPSR is really well worth it. Um, it's just, it's just kind of a gambling game, isn't it? Because if someone decides to turn you in, then you have to show that you have the documents and that you've done all the things that are necessary. Um, now my clients were very lucky and they weren't fined, um, you know, they, they were very apologetic for, you know, not following the rules. And there was a good reason why they, they thought maybe they didn't need to. But, um, but yeah, so I don't think it's, it's worth the risk, really. Um, you can get a lot of products assessed for 5,000 pounds. And are you able to assess all, obviously you listed a number of different cosmetic products. Are you, can you just look at soaps or can you look at all of those? Yeah, so um, be because I have a PhD, um, I am qualified to write assessments. Um, you have to be a chemist or have kind of a medical degree or some kind of, you know, background in science. And yeah, so I, I can write assessments or CPSRs for any cosmetic. Um, now, some beekeepers probably would like to sell something but aren't quite ready to formulate their own recipes and so I've also come up with some um, something called a quick CPSR which is an assessment that beekeepers can get that's 
kind of pre-written using the recipes that I've already published. So let's say someone has gone to one of my workshops or has has a, one of the magazine articles that I've written and it has a recipe in it. If they would like to use that recipe and if they would like, let's say, to make sweet orange lip balm, there's no variation to it. You have to make it exactly as it is. They could They could get a quick CPSR and be selling this in a number of days, you know, really just a matter of days, um, and they would be completely legal. And that's a very reasonable price at 59 pounds, you know, whereas you'll have other beekeepers that, you know, will formulate their own recipes and come up with lots of different variations. And, and that's fantastic. I can help with that too. And I also, I really do try to help the beekeepers. If someone sends me something and it looks like it won't pass, you know, the safety assessment, they have. you might have too much of an ingredient, for an example, um, and it, it might be beyond what would be considered safe. For, for example, an essential oil in a lip balm. Um, you know, I would say, okay, you need to reduce this. If you reduce this, then that's fine, and, and you'll be able to sell that. And so I do, I do help if, if beekeepers are writing their own formulations. I will help them with that, too. It's really interesting. It's a bit of a minefield to navigate. And yeah, it, it's just good to understand what the process is and anyone thinking of using some of the byproducts or, or not even a byproduct and using the honey and the wax in, in products, just understanding the hoops that need to be jumped through. Now, I'm going to gonna take us to Brexit. Any changes due to Brexit? Or, uh, there or are a few changes. Um, I think that there might be more changes coming, but I think most thing is the same. The law is the same. So it's still European law um, that is followed for the cosmetics. Um, the differences are that now you need to have what's called a responsible person that lives and is located in the UK. So when we were members of the European Union, your cosmetics could be sold anywhere in the EU and the responsible person could be anywhere in the EU. Now you need to have a responsible person in the UK. And if you want to sell in the EU, you need to have a responsible person in the EU. And then the other difference is that there is now a UK portal where you list the cosmetics that you're selling. But otherwise, the legislation is the same. You still need to prepare your product information file. Um, you still need to you know, make sure that the ingredients are safe um, and do all of that. There's there's not much difference. And and I try as well to help beekeepers with their product information files. Anyone who comes to me for a CPSR, I give them the template so that they can make the their their product information file and they, they will be able to do it. And after you've done it once, um, it becomes much easier. I think it's probably Similar to when a beekeeper has to design their first honey honey label. I know there are lots of regulations and you have to measure this and the font size has to be a specific way and you have to have specific warnings. It's very, very similar. And so once you've, you've done it, it becomes much easier the second time. So you've got a wealth of experience in obviously this cosmetic field and not just from a practical but obviously a, a theory side of things as well 
So what pearls of wisdom would you have for beekeepers and, and other listeners out there who might want to try and get I mean, I think um, I think start start simple, um, you know, start with something like a lip balm. Give it a try. One thing I've had people tell me is that, you know, there are lots of recipes on the Internet. I mean, and this is true with food as well, you know, um, or crafts or, or experiments for kids. And they're not all good recipes. You know, I have a number of recipes that are available. Um, come along to one of my workshops. You know, I try to make recipes that are really easy to follow and that you will be successful when you try them. Um, and and saying that, the, the BBK Spring Convention is coming up. Sadly, this year it's virtual, and so we won't be able to see each other in person. But um, I will be doing uh, a demonstration set session and in that i'm going to be making a calendula honey scrub which is absolutely gorgeous it has it's a sugar scrub with honey vitamin e and calendula petals and i'm also going to be making a honey poppy seed soap um, that is is also really really lovely so you'd be able to watch me do that and then you can you know, you would have the recipe to hand from the handout. And I'm also going to be offering quick CPSRs for those. So you could watch it, you can make it. And then if you wanted to, it would be quite easy for you to sell it as well. That's fantastic. Now, for those who have subscribed to Beecraft, a number of us will have had this month's episode come through the post over the last couple of days i can see here i've got it open here you've got an article beauty in the bees so how have you got some follow-up well, that's right actually i have a deadline in a couple days so i should really be getting on that um yeah so it will be a monthly feature and the first one was on legislation but what i want to do is really discuss a number of aspects of cosme cosmetic making so i want to talk about things like um you know how do you how do you choose a fragrance or what preservative should i use or you know um if someone has questions they certainly can write to me and i i might decide what i'm going to write about um i think i've decided that that in the next edition i i'm going to discuss um how to choose fragrances and so i'm going to be kind of doing lots of different things in that and um and it's going to be um, a regular feature in the, in the magazine. One of the questions coming to mind for me right now, obviously, I've got access to honey, I've got access to wax, but some of these other ingredients that we might need to use in products, is there a, a go-to for a go-to website for that or supplier for those sorts of things for people thinking about, Right. Well, I can get my hands on some honey. And if you can't get your hands on honey, remember British <laughs> Honey Shop. You'll find your local beekeeper. You'll get some top quality honey through that. Um, but just some of those other ingredients that you've mentioned. Well, where should um, I, be looking to get I do try to write recipes that use many ingredients that you can get on the high street, um, either at the chemist or at the supermarket. So, for instance, the oils and things. Um, but. If you're going to be looking for the cosmetic ingredients, there are a number of very good suppliers, and probably the two that I that I recommend um, 
are one would be Frescioli, which is um, they sell a number of different co specialist cosmetic ingredients as well as as fragrances. Um, and there's another company called Mystic Moments, and they sell both on their own website and on Amazon. And the thing I really like about these companies is that they get they get the things to you very quickly. They have the documentation to back up their products. I think where you run into trouble is if you, for instance, you go on eBay or Amazon and someone is selling a flavor and they're saying perfect for lip balms. And it turns out that it, it shouldn't be used in lip balms at all. I had someone come to me and they wanted to sell their lip balms. And so we tried to get the paperwork from from the manufacturer and they said, oh no, it's actually a flavoring for food and, and confectionery. And so, you know, then you're in a situation where you need to find something else. And so I think a little investigation before you start um, is a good thing. And so if you have, if you, you know, check the company out, um, before you you buy i think it's a good idea yeah that's really useful just to understand where to go to get that so we've heard about alien brain honey soap we we've heard about what the landscape looks like and the hoops that we might need to jump through following the same format of all the other episodes we're going to think about jobs for the week what oh are your dear oh this week, week tim Sarah? i have so much to do this week well, I need to write my next installment of Beauty and the Bees. So that's on my list. Um, I also have um, a final edit to look through for my next Making and Selling Cosmetics book, which um, I hope will be out by BBK. And then on Thursday, I've got a film crew coming to my house. So I guess I better put some clothes on and comb my hair. As, uh, yeah, it might be helpful. I um I had a quick look at the bees today uh, at lunch, and then came running back in for a meeting with a fairly sweaty brow. And my wife was like, "Tim, you definitely need to go and sort yourself out before you jump on another Zoom." So yeah, I, I know what it's like. Uh, actually, yeah, and I think we're all really at a disadvantage. I mean, I you know because we can't get our hair cut, and so it's kind of a self service thing. And, you know, if you have a dull pair of scissors, who knows what you're going to end up looking like. But I suppose because I'm going to be making cosmetics, I'll pull my hair back and uh, you won't maybe notice so much. Um, but, yeah, we all are looking a bit scruffy, aren't we? I, I definitely am. Sarah, thank you so much for that. I'm, it, it's been a real eye opener for me. And hopefully the listeners will just get a better understanding of what the whole cosmetic side of things what it takes and that's really what i wanted to achieve in this episode just to give people a bit of a understanding about look if you want to go down this road these are a few things to think about and give it a go i'm looking forward to reading the other articles as they come out in beecraft and i suppose i can't turn back now and i need to to see what i can rustle up in time for for next weekend uh for so for i think i better send so we'll you a soap and i kind of feel that um it would be unfair to your listeners not to put a picture of the alien spinal cord soap on my instagram I look forward to seeing that. Sarah, thank you so much for joining me this evening. And the 
the parrot has been quiet. Apparently, there's been a parrot joining us for this whole episode. I've not heard it, but uh, thank you, Thank you, Tim. It was my pleasure. For those who don't know, just wanted to point you in the right direction to contact Sarah Rob. Her website is drsarahrob.info. That is Dr. Sarah, S-A-R-A, Rob, R-O-B-B, dot info. You can go to her website there, or you can go and have a look at her Instagram page and contact her directly on that page. All right, everyone, thanks for taking the time to join me today for the Paddock Bees podcast. I really hope you found it useful. I'd love for you to come back and give me some feedback. So head over to Instagram and send me a direct message or email me on paddockbees at gmail.com. I want to hear from you. I want to know what you want to hear about. So please don't hesitate to give me your thoughts. Once again, thanks for joining. See you next time. Bye.